Hello, Delia here, assistant for the Before the Stage podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this new episode. So you know, this episode was recorded a little while ago in 2021. Episodes will be rolling forward again, and there will be a lot of exciting ones coming up. Happy listening! Welcome to the Before the Stage podcast. This is a podcast where we go behind the scenes of the classical music industry to see what an artist's life is before the stage. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to have Sophia Kenathausen today on the podcast. Um, she is a student currently at the University of Leeds in I said, London, right? Is that London? No, Leeds. No. Oh, it's England. Leeds. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't uh, live in Europe. I currently live in the Midwest. So sorry, everyone. Um, obviously, she is in Leeds. <laughs> so anyway, um, she's an aspiring professional violinist studying in Leeds. <laughs> and she's currently a member of the Chinake Junior Orchestra. And so it's really exciting to have you on the show today. And hopefully I won't butcher any more <laughs> European locations and places. So I study in Leeds, which is in the north of England, mm -hmm. but I'm currently spending a year in just outside London working at a concert hall. So that's, yeah, oh, yeah. that's my plan. Yeah. Oh, so for the whole year, are you so how does that work exactly and thank you for the geography <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sandwich so music degrees here are three years so i've done two already and i'm spending a year working as part of my degree and then going back to leeds to do my final year oh wow okay that's really cool so it's kind of like you get to do an internship in a way in between yeah that's oh. basically what this is wow okay that's exciting i love that because I, I don't think we have anything like that in America, exactly. I mean, ours are four years anyway. And, yeah. and then after, I mean, we can take internships sometimes in the summer, but yeah, it's not quite the same. <laughs> Usually it's going to a music festival or something like that. And yeah, um, and you pay a lot of money <laughs> if yeah. you want to, <laughs> or you get scholarship, one or the other, but sure. it's usually a great experience either way. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool to learn a little bit about how that works over there too. It's way different. Um, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, your musical journey to where you are now. And yeah. Um, so I started playing the violin when I was about six or seven. I'm 21 now, so I've been playing for about, wow, it feels weird to say 15 years almost. Yeah. Um, that's really weird to say. <laughs> I also play the piano, but I would not call myself a pianist in any form. I, <laughs> I, I've done all the grades and I actually did play quite seriously for a while, but I'm not that good anymore. Um, I started taking the violin seriously when I was about, I don't know, 16 or 17. I kind of saw it as a hobby until then. Like I really liked playing the violin, but I didn't think that Maybe I didn't have the confidence to say I wanted to study it or something like that. I don't really know. But around 16 or 17, I started thinking this is probably something that I want to take a bit further. Um, I think, I guess two things made me slightly nervous about that. One being 
am I good enough? Which is an ongoing question, to be honest. Mm. Um, second being just the diversity in classical music at that time. And still it's an on, it's a yeah. work in progress, just seeing di- diversity in classical music. Um, so yeah. Um, then I went to university. I've done two of my years at the University of Leeds. I really enjoy playing in all kinds of music, to be honest. Um, I like playing in orchestras, chamber music, solo playing. I've played in operas, musicals. So I like to play in basically anything I can, really, um, which is good. What else? What else have I been doing? I started my Instagram account during the pandemic. So that was maybe July 2020. Which yeah. Feels like- ages ago and that's how um, we met I think yeah when you started that I don't know what happened but you sent me some voice memos at some point and we just started talking and yeah yeah that's yeah it's so strange that I have so many virtual friends now that I've never met in person you being one of them yeah <laughs> same it's so strange but yeah so I started that and that has opened a lot of doors for me as well. Cause I think social media really does play a big part in networking is another form oh, of yeah. basically the equivalent of sending an email to someone. You can just send a DM and so many opportunities pop up. It's basically like a CV. You can literally see everything that person is doing, which I kind of love and it's increased my confidence as a musician for sure. Um, and yeah, that's, me right now oh well right now i'm actually working so i am an intern at saffron hall which is a concert hall in essex so that's just outside of london for anyone who doesn't know british geography (laughs) me (laughs) (laughs) my mom is gonna like she did live in london for a little bit when she she was like really little like when she was eight so she'll probably be like wow grace how did you miss (laughs) This basic geography, (laughs) Britain. I'll be like, I don't know. I've never been there. If you asked me about a lot of places in America, I probably wouldn't know, to be honest. So (laughs) it's fine. Um, So what I'm doing here is I basically work in the middle of the marketing department and the events department. So I work on a lot of concerts, which is exciting, and I do a lot of the marketing work. So it's nice to see. Because obviously I grew up being a performer, so it's nice to see the kind of flip side of what happens. We've had like Sarandra Schiff, Elena Uriosti, Nicola Benedetti, so like really amazing people come, which I've kind of been starstruck. Like I'm actually yeah. in the vicinity of your presence. It's like oh my goodness, <laughs> it's actually amazing. Uh, so that's been it's been really useful, and I think especially now that becoming a portfolio musician is becoming really normal I think it's it's kind of good that I've had this experience to see what else is out there in the arts industry I guess yeah yeah. oh it's so exciting um just talk to you because I I love talk everybody I talk to I'm like wow I can see like parts of my own story in your story and just like because I started when I was six years old didn't become serious until I was like 14 15, 16, yeah. I don't know, around there in those two years. Um, and so it's really cool to like see other musicians and that are like, you know, and also the fight of, am I good enough to do this career or 
am I not? Or, you know, that internal, which I think we discussed like that imposter syndrome that you could have as pursuing something in the art field. And then also pursuing multiple different things in the music field as well. Like for you going off and taking this internship and marketing and like administration work and you're like, nothing to do with performances, but then you're like, I get to be amazing artists that I might not be if I stuck to my normal practice routine. And so, sure. which is really cool. Cause it can just be inspiring then for you to create art in general. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially after COVID to be exposed to this much live music all the time. It's yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Um, so actually I would love for you to talk a little bit about your imposter syndrome (laughs) and working through it. And I know it's like, for me, it's still like an ongoing process, but maybe some tips, breakthroughs you've had and yeah, Yeah. that journey. Um, Real vulnerable. Yeah, (laughs) I'm really happy to like, the mood is definitely I know, I, yeah. But no, it's fine. Uh, In terms of imposter syndrome, I guess it played into being a teenager most teenagers don't have very high self-esteem in general and I think it kind of played from that especially when I decided I thought I decided really late that I wanted to pursue music as a degree so that's I think it still is sometimes a bit of an insecurity like is it too late have I did I make the decision just past when I was supposed to yeah and I think yeah there's been even a couple of weeks ago, I kind I kind of have an existential crisis every now and then where I'm like, have I completely messed this up? Have oh, I just don't we all? Exactly. <laughs> it's very normal. But I did go through that a couple of weeks ago where I was like, maybe I'm not doing the right thing here. And I kind of realized there is no right thing. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of just taking all of the opportunities as it comes. And I'm really grateful that I do get a lot of the opportunities that I get, um, even working here, um, they've never had an intern before and they decided to take me. So clearly I'm doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) I try, I try and kind of flip my achievements back onto myself. Like I've actually, when I look back to see the stuff I've done, it's actually quite amazing that I've done that stuff. So I try to convince myself you are good enough because you wouldn't have the string of achievements you have if you weren't. Um, And I think it's kind of tough, but if, especially in something like music, if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to want to believe in you? Which is really harsh, but unfortunately it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because even my my parents who are like probably my number one fans, it almost doesn't matter that they believe in me so much if I don't believe in myself because then I can't get anywhere if I don't believe that I'm good and I'm actually going to improve, which again is really tough love, but it seems to work for me. Yeah, I I relate. I agree. It's a it's an internal thing. Like I think there's only so much external validation we can get like and show ourselves you know and remind ourselves like hey you actually accomplished like x y and z or you sent that email to that person to ask about this thing and look where it got you and if you never asked well you never know <laughs> yeah exactly and 
yeah, I think that external, like sometimes we reach for that all the time to be like, okay, am I valid doing whatever I'm doing? But then a lot of times it comes back to is internally like that internal, like, no, you are qualified to actually, you know, play violin. You can play scale. You can read music. You can, you know how to, you know, read rhythms, you know? Exactly. You're like, yeah, you're qualified. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing I like doing is looking at my old videos because that makes me really realize I actually sound so different to like a year ago. And it's the same, like this time last year, I would have said the same thing and looked at a video from the year before that. So I think recording yourself is really useful. I have hundreds of practice videos in my phone. And I, if I'm feeling like that, I like to go through them and it, I, you can see the difference. It just, sometimes when you get bogged down with practice or something's not going right, you kind of feel like, oh, am I actually improving? But (laughs) you are, you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, Loved it. I left up all of my old because my account started as a practice account. So if you scroll yeah. really far back there, <laughs> you I can have see really far oh, back on my. Oh goodness! Okay, <laughs> I, I'm curious with anyone, any music account. To be honest, I scroll really far back just because I want to see what you sounded like. Yeah, I did not sound great. <laughs> it was I maybe I made a good sound, but it was a struggle bus to get there. Yeah. There was like lots of things like I, looking back, I was like, wow, how did I do that? Why did I do that that way? Yeah, Yeah, I look at that as well. Yeah. Not to you. No, not not to you either. (laughs) Myself. (laughs) Yeah, but it's so great because it's like you see the improvement and then you're like, wow, I, yeah, I've definitely grown, which is a great like external validation. I think there are times when we have to, validate something internally <laughs> externally like we got to yeah. see it we believe it and we're like yes that's right I'm definitely been at this or I've improved for better yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and I know if you want to dive into this as well you've had an injury at one point um and that kind of that process of working through that injury as well as you know getting back into playing and that might've also played into some of the imposter syndrome. I know for me, for sure. <laughs> I've had quite a yeah. few injuries. Always imposter syndrome was like my next door neighbor during those times. So yeah. Definitely. Um, I've had a couple of minor injuries, but I guess the big major one was last this time last year, roughly. Um, I'd been playing, what have I been, what have I been doing? I, I'd been working on my, bowing technique a lot which is I mean still an ongoing struggle but I was getting really stressed about the fact that it wasn't improving and the reason it wasn't improving was that I was constantly staring at my right hand hoping it would magically get better and (laughs) that didn't work (laughs) I just stressed so much more um and obviously I didn't realize at the time but it was a really bad decision to think of it that way um so I just stressed my hand out too much. And eventually I got diagnosed with golfer's elbow, which is basically the inside of your elbow all the way down. It just hurts a lot. And it sends like tingles and it's not mm. very, it's not very fun. Um, so that happened. Luckily it's not chronic or anything. So I am healed, oh, which wow. is great. 
<laughs> I well obviously I do have to be careful but it's not a primary concern which I'm very grateful for um but it essentially meant for about two months maybe I couldn't play at all and that was so foreign to me because it's literally an integral part of my day if I don't practice I'm not really sure what I'm doing <laughs> it's, it's really strange so as soon as it was taken away from me I was like what do I do now I'm not really sure um so that definitely played into my imposter syndrome I was like you let yourself get injured this is all your fault um like oh. you it's entirely your fault that this happened and it's not a nice feeling but no. <laughs> yeah I tried to find ways to stay related to the repertoire that I was playing yeah. so I did a lot of mental practice listening to my repertoire listening to different interpretations of repertoire doing whatever I could to stay connected without actually picking up my violin and my bow um which was hard I think when you're injured when when you can't do something it immediately wants you to do it you want to do it more does that make sense yeah yeah um yeah i words <laughs> working for a second um but yeah i think that it was it was quite hard but i tried to find things to keep distracted and when I eventually did get back into it, I took it very slowly because the last thing you want to do is make it worse. I'd already done two months not playing at all. I did not want to do that again. Yeah. Um, so I took it like really slowly. If I felt any sense of pain, I stopped. And I guess that should have been something I was doing before I got injured anyway, because I would, I would feel tension in my arm, but I would, I, just thought it was bad technique as opposed to something's actually wrong which again I've learned my lesson <laughs> so I don't do that anymore I think the number one thing I would say to anyone who's going through an injury is resting like you well in my opinion you at least until the pain actual pain is gone you should not be doing any practice which I know sounds really extreme but it it is so much better in the long run, which is something I see after being injured as opposed to before. Um, and in terms of maintenance, I, I'm just really more careful with warming up. Um, not so much that I need to get in a different mindset to play the violin. It's just that I'm just more careful that there's no actual tension, especially in my shoulders and my arms. Yeah. Cause the last thing you want to do is accentuate that anymore um mm -hmm. and if I feel any pain I stop I actually think about why I might be feeling that pain because I go to the gym a lot I might have pulled something then it might actually be because of my violin playing or something like that yeah um so I'm just a lot more cautious I'm really scared with my hands for some reason like when I go through a door I'm like this I don't want to <laughs> hurt my fingers I don't know why it's really weird. <laughs> it's a good precaution probably to have. I mean, it is. It's slightly mental, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, those are the main things I would say. And just trying to remind yourself, 
it's not I didn't believe this when I was injured but it's not the end of the world like as long you can recover most injuries are like reversible and you you can play again it will just take some time and just a different way of thinking really yeah yeah I totally relate it does I mean your body has to go through healing process and everything and it does take time for you to just get back to it um and you probably won't play the way you did before which is probably a good thing yeah <laughs> and I think exactly. that's sometimes a hard thing to realize that you're like I'm never gonna sound the same and you're like yeah you will sound you better you probably don't want to you probably <laughs> don't <laughs> if that's what caused it you know exactly yeah. So I relate. Yeah. Yesterday, actually, I was, something was going on. I think I slept weird and I played violin for like half an hour or maybe an hour. Yeah. I probably played an hour yesterday morning. And then by the afternoon, I was just like, something is off in my shoulder, in my neck or something. And I was feeling like a little bit of a tingle in my hand. And I was just like, we don't play anymore. Like I had yeah. like a class and everything that evening that I was like, want to go to. But I was just like, I can't pick up my violin. It's going to not turn into a good situation if this is coming from my violin. Yeah. So, yeah, which is, it's sometimes hard to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't do this anymore. But it's, it was a good break because I needed the mental space in the end to just kind of like take a break from other things. But yeah. yeah. And also I played a lot last week and that's probably another reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. like a sometimes lot of gigs. A bit of a break. Yeah, I had a lot of gigs and I like, you know, went back hardcore playing violin full time. And then, you know, Monday, probably my body was like, why don't we do this again on Monday? Like we should have a break. And Tuesday was yeah. like, we're having a break today. So, yeah. Yeah. So that your body, said, so go ahead, go ahead. That being said, like we do need a break, but also when I come back to the violin after a few days of rest, it feels really weird. That's like, true. I practice every day, most of the time. Um, and yeah, when I take a day off, it just feels like I'm resetting almost. Yeah. Like, it feels not unnatural, but like you feel a bit rusty. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. I think it does. Um, there's things I have to like remind myself how to do, <laughs> like yeah. my bow hold in some ways. And then like, okay, yeah, this is how we hold the violin now. And so I like, you know, it's kind of like, I have to, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, just as a violinist talking to another violinist, but like, you know, it's like you haven't used your car in a while or something, got to check all your car. Like, you know, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. sort of gas in there. Is the oil okay? Do I have washer fluid? <laughs> so like just me with my bow hold and like shifting and playing some scales, you know? Yeah. And then after like an hour or so, I'm like, oh yeah, I play violin professionally. I'm go I'm okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like everything's still there. Just needed a little little Refreshing. it's kind of like, I don't know, like even like exercising. It's like the first 10 minutes yeah. are not great. And then your body warms up and you're like, oh yeah, we've done this before. You know? Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So um, I would love for you to talk about, cause you said practicing was such a key component to your day before you, um, had your injury and stuff. But now I think you mentioned like practicing is like something that's super important to you now. So can you talk about like creating your practice schedule and that routine for yourself? Um, so obviously now that I'm working, well, Monday to Friday, I work 10 to six. So 
most of my day. Um, so I think it, the first couple of months, it was really hard to plan my practice because working is also tiring. I think I didn't realize that before I came here, I'd actually be tired after finishing work. And obviously when yeah. we have events, which is mo mostly at the weekend, it can be like 12 hour days, which is a lot fun, but a lot. Um, yeah. So factoring in practice was difficult in the first couple of months. But I think after talking to my teacher and just realizing that like five or 10 minutes, even, even if I'm exhausted, if it's efficient, then it's better than like an hour of me doing absolutely nothing and not achieving much. Yeah. Um, so I think it's made me a lot more efficient with my time. I used to be like, if I didn't have the full hour that I planned, I wouldn't do it, which is really bad. <laughs> um, but I think now I'm more adaptable towards like, if I don't have the time, it's fine. I still know what I can do, what I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up that it's like, if you just, even if you're like the whole hour, you're like, oh, I didn't even, you know, it's like 8.30 and I meant to start at eight or something, yeah. you know, just still picking up the instrument and doing something, you know, yeah. is better than being like, eh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And I've actually progressed a lot quicker than I thought I would, even though I'm not, I'm not at music college, I'm not practicing five or six hours a day, but I've actually made a lot more progress than I thought I would, which is because, well, usually I plan my practice the day before I do it. So every evening I sit down and work out, first of all, how much time I have, second of all, what I need to work on. Um, and then I just plan it out quite methodically, which works for me right now. Um, and it's just kind of like a tick list. Like I want to do this. I want to do that. I have a set. It's not exact. It's not a warm up before I pick up my violin. It's like, that's, that's a disgusting, but we're getting there. <laughs> I hate that so much, but I've recorded myself in September and I sounded not great, but I recorded myself recently and it sounds a lot better, which is satisfying. So I'm working like thirds, octaves, six, I'm spending a lot of time on my bowing technique. So um, I spend some time just without the violin and with my bow, like doing balancing exercises and just becoming more comfortable with it because that's, I feel like is my weak spot. I feel like my, it's obviously my left hand, it can always be better, right? But yeah. my right hand is, I guess, my own insecurity. Yeah, no, I love that. Um that just like realizing like there's little simple things that you can do to remind yourself, which make pretty profound differences in our violin yeah. technique and playing. Um, and I think that's something that everyone can realize that you don't always have to be in the perfect practice space or the perfect practice situation to make exponential progress. Yeah, I didn't realize that before starting this job, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, really I still didn't. struggle, so, you know, I should um, do that. <laughs> yeah, it's still a work in progress, but I think being a student, obviously, my life was my degree, so yeah, I didn't really need to think about when I was going to have a chance to practice because I knew I'd have the time, but now that I'm working, obviously, 
it's not taking a back seat it's kind of just playing it's equal really to my job because maybe i'm exposing myself by saying this maybe it's more important i think i'll explain myself doing this job has made me realize how much i like to practice Mm -hmm. because i don't have as much time that i want to give which is some sometimes a bit frustrating because i can't practice five or six hours a day even if i want to because you know i can't just not go to work (laughs) (laughs) yeah it has been good um in terms of that as well yeah yeah i love that just like still i mean sometimes when you don't have when you don't have time to do something that you want to do or you realize that was way more important you find a way to put it back in your life you know yeah exactly yeah it's my it's definitely a priority to make sure i have the time and yeah it's kind of solidifying that i do want to pursue being a professional violinist which is nice i was right (laughs) you do want this (laughs) so i guess i have one more question before we kind of wrap up the show um it's probably a more serious question again um so i remember you mentioning like diversity and you know that being something that's really important to you um can you kind of speak about that in you know diversifying music and everything (laughs) yeah so i was born in london i've lived in england my whole life but my family is sri lankan um which is great i love the culture that brings to my life and like i wouldn't change it at all but in classical music where it's primarily middle class and white it's not (laughs) It's not the most comfortable feeling to walk into a rehearsal where you're the only person of color. It just feels like you stand out without having ever played a note. And obviously we are making progress in that. I'm really proud to be a part of the Chenike Junior Orchestra, which promotes diversity in classical music. I've made so many friends that are um, musicians of color and it's, it just, I already knew this anyway, but we are just as good as our white counterparts. It's oh, just yeah. Some people. Yeah, I don't really know <laughs> why you say that. <laughs> Most people know that. There are just a few people that kind of don't assume that we aren't as yeah. good, um, which is wrong. Oh, me. yeah. I can name so many people that literally <laughs> decimate that theory. Which, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, same. So many people. Um, in terms of experiences I've had is just someone once asked me how I could be Sri Lankan and a good violinist at the same time which is kind of weird weird I don't know if it was a backhanded compliment like I well I know I am good but why my color (laughs) isn't even relevant to that like you can just say I'm a good violinist you don't need to ask how I it was dumb um (laughs) yes it was it was but yeah that kind of thing passive aggressive comments it's not nice and obviously racism is so much bigger than classical music but in terms of classical music anyway it's it's just not true that just because I have darker skin tone or a different skin tone to you means I can't play my instrument as good as you or even better than you and I think because I've experienced it personally it's something that 
I haven't really worked out how I want to help that yeah. core, but it is definitely something that I do want to somehow contribute towards because it is something that I've experienced personally and I know a lot of people experience. Yeah, yeah. it is something on my radar. I just don't really, I haven't worked out how I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, one thing is like there's becoming more like orchestra or foundations that are, you know, starting to realize that, oh, like they're, they're basically being like, we are diverse. Like that is the core. Like there's the Sphinx here in yeah. America. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, the Chinake is over there in Europe. Right. And so yeah. <laughs> I was like, so there's like, there's a start of realizing we need this in, in anywhere you're located. Yeah. And obviously like there's differences between like what America deals with diversity versus what Europe deals in, but it's like, we still have similar (laughs) issues at the end of the day. (laughs) I mean, Um, the fact, obviously Chinake and Sphinx are great organizations, but the fact that they even needed to be formed in the first place evidently proves that there is an issue. Yes. Um, But I love both of those organizations. I've, obviously not been part of Sphinx being in England, but <laughs> I see all of the stuff they do. I think the Sphinx competition just happened, right? It, it finished recently. I think it did. I think, and it I think did. they're starting to take auditions for the next round. I don't know. Okay. I've, oh, I've, I've just know. started learning about them because I was like, I had heard about them and found out about them through all of like the grapevine. And then yeah. I was like, wait, who are you? Yeah. Really <laughs> and I'm cool. actually like, I... I am um, part Puerto Rican. So I was like, oh, nice. oh hey. So yeah, that <laughs> is, is, it's really cool. I'm like, I don't look quite Puerto Rican all the time, but it's still like something that I'm like, this is a part like of me. And yeah, and I would love to, you know, celebrate my culture more and understand more about it. And as I grow older. So, yeah. I mean, growing up in the Midwest, <laughs> I didn't see <laughs> Yeah. a lot of Puerto Ricans around me, so <laughs> my family, so. Oh, no. You live in Nebraska, yes. is that yep. right? Yep, that's right. It's the okay. dead center of the United States, so. Is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right, I don't know why I thought it was in, like, I don't know, the top bit of the, I don't know why. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like, if you look at America's, it's not the dead center of America, but it's yeah. like, it's like, the dead center of the USA. So okay. pretty much. Yeah, I, mean. I don't know why I thought that, but you know. Um, <laughs> see, your geography of England isn't great and mine of the US isn't great. So we're kind of- Yeah, we're just the, circling back to that point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You should visit Nebraska. I should visit you. <laughs> you should visit London. That would be yes. cool. It'd be nice I, to meet you in person. It would be amazing to meet you in person too. <laughs> I feel like we'd get along really well. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. This podcast doesn't actually feel like we've been recording something. I, <laughs> I know. Like That's actually the same for me. I'm like, wow, it's so easy to talk to. I <laughs> so. feel the same way. But oh, okay. What's the question? What were we talking about? Um, we were talking about diversity, and then we uh, digressed. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, we didn't digress. We, just, we didn't digress. Completely. We, we um, um went to Nebraska somehow. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, my geography is really bad. But is there anything else I wanted to say? Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, working at a concert hall as well is kind of, because as I said, it's kind of flipped 
So I'm seeing it behind the scenes and in terms of, well, in the UK anyway, people who work in arts administration as well, there are not many people of colour. I think the arts in general is something that, I don't, well, I can't speak for everyone, but I think for me, it's always been deemed as something that's not financially stable. You're not guaranteed to get a job, which is, you know, it is yeah. true. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think in any industry, you're not guaranteed a job. And I think people need to realize that it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like put anything yeah. before that arts, law. <laughs> yeah. Like I, at school, I thought if you did maths or sciences, you were basically set for life. And that really isn't true. Yeah, I have friends that are looking for jobs. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was actually originally thinking of doing maths and parked that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I vetoed it but <laughs> yeah. But yeah I made the right choice I think but um yeah it's always gonna be on my radar I think talking about diversity talking about it is something that I do think is important because I think people knowing that people actually go through this because I think some people think that I don't know like it's not it's still not a big issue. Obviously, we had like Black Lives Matter and things like that last year, and it's obviously died down a bit in in terms of actual momentum. But it's still a problem, like oh, yeah. in terms of representation in classical music. So, yeah, I think I want to contribute to it. I just haven't worked out how I'm going to do that, but I'll work that out at some point. You'll get there. You're still yeah. young. You're like... I feel like the idea will pop at me at some point and I'll just be like, oh yeah, I should have been this earlier. And I'm literally 21. I Yeah. Yeah. I'm You're really gonna... young. <laughs> you are. <laughs> People still tell me I'm young and I'm not 21. So <laughs> Oh yeah. Like I think the youngest person in my office after me is 26. Um, oh, and they literally call me a fetus and I'm like five years younger than them. So, you know, I'm not that young. You're like, uh, you're not that much older than me. I think because I haven't graduated yet, maybe that gives me a baby look, but maybe no. they're well, they're, I don't know. I feel like I haven't graduated. I've been out of school for two years, though. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> maybe we should do some quick wrap up questions now. We should probably do that, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was wondering if you have a, um, like what your favorite music type, like, oh my gosh, the question is, <laughs> so I was wondering what your favorite um, style of music is to play, perform. Well, oh, that's a really hard question. Uh, no. Because <laughs> I basically like, there's very little things that I don't like which is again, annoying. Um, What's your hmm. most recent favorite thing you've played? <laughs> Belts. Right now, I'm really enjoying Samuel Coleridge Taylor Violin Concerto. I'm learning that, which yeah. is- Yeah, it's I, hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> hard. The opening rhythm of the third movement is just, it's, I'm still working on that, but, um, just his music in general, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel really emotional when I listen to any of his music. Like the Othello suite is one that I feel like crying oh when I listen to. It's Ever really, heard. I love it so much. Um, 
Please I recommend it. Send me a link. <laughs> I'll send you a link. Okay. <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, so that's something I've enjoyed. Obviously, he was in, around in the 1900s and early 1900s. My dates are really bad. Um, but yeah, I do like romantic music. Obviously, you have the big concertos, Mendelssohn, Tchaikovsky, Sibelius. I briefly paid, paid, played Mendelssohn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to learn it at some point in its entirety. It's a, a good one. But too. I do love like Mozart, Haydn, Bach. I have a tough relationship with, but I do like <laughs> listening to it. Does every violinist have a tough relationship I think, with Bach? I mean, yeah, he also was he he was a character. Let's be real. He's a character, <laughs> and exactly. his music is not easy. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not no. Um, but I do enjoy listening to it and eventually after some practice playing it is also enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> um, but I find the same with Mozart, like because classical music is so precise, it's so frustrating when you can't get it exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah. I've learned Mozart 5 and Mozart 3 violin concerto. I should probably say that. Um, but, <laughs> Just Mozart 5 and 3. <laughs> just <laughs> that's like such a music pod okay <laughs> if they don't listen if they don't know them you're they're not gonna have any people. idea of what i'm talking about i know this is violin rap just so we clarify violin rap. um so i've learned mozart's fifth violin concerto and his third violin concerto i know what he made but I'm a violinist. Yeah, at least someone does. Um, but it's just so frustrating because also this is again exposing myself, but vibrato is something that I really like to do a lot. And when I first started learning mo just Mozart, oh. I can't do that because it's literally not how it's meant to sound. So yeah, don't throw a lot of vibrato on there. A little bit, but I was doing like too much. Like, like um, Brahms vibrato in. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of, you have to control yourself a lot. But again, once you get it, it's enjoyable. I'm not answering the question. <laughs> I would like everything. I don't really think I can I think so. That. I think, I think you like whatever you play. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna give a straight answer to that. I can't. Okay. <laughs> um, I would love to ask you, do you have what is one of what is one of the most um memorable performances you've either experienced or performed yourself? Well, I can give an answer to both of those things. Um okay. if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> terms of one that I've seen um i heard well it was at saffron <laughs> i heard nicola benedetti play live for the first time ever and uh, oh she gosh. played the chacon by bar and oh my god it was amazing like we had to wear face masks because of covid you know that's a thing um yeah. i was literally <laughs> crying under my face mask and i was like this is the best thing ever it was just because I've heard her recordings and I've watched her performances, oh, yeah. but it's not the same as being in person. And she's just amazing. And yeah, 
she's on my bucket list like one perform like there's like a number of performers that i have to see before i don't know same maxim bengrove being one of them i've still never seen him live i really want to i was so close to seeing augustin hadelik playing live yeah and they canceled it was gonna be here in lincoln too like oh no I was like, so local for you as well. I know. I was like, what? But hopefully he's coming back with the St. Louis Symphony. So yeah. Okay. That's good. Him also, Ray Chen is someone I really want to see. I feel like he'd be insane. Yes. But anyway, (laughs) I'm really going on a tangent. Um, We're just fangirling about all things violent. But that being said, I saw Sir Andrew Schiff because he came to the hall as well. I'm just bragging about Saffron Hall, really. But he came to the hall and that that was amazing as well. Oh, I'm giving so many answers. We had Joyce DiDonato open our season for autumn. That was really good. She just has so much confidence, like not too much in any way she's just so confident in her ability it's like wow because she was i was backstage and she was just having a conversation with me and then she just walked on stage like it was nothing she didn't uh, it was mind-blowing it was (laughs) i love that that's what i strive for i know right i was like i want to be like that today (laughs) just like have a chill conversation just know i can own it on the stage you know like having that's that awesome. com- it's unreal that's definitely something that's I'm working so cool towards. but yeah I gave you like five answers but, <laughs> um, in terms of what I've actually performed um again two answers I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no no reason to apologize one was with Chinnake Juniors um we played in the Royal Festival Hall in August of oh last goodness. year which was amazing. And it was like my first big concert after COVID, which Mm. it just felt, I think any musician will say that it just felt so nice to be back on stage uh, playing with other people, Um, not having to distance like five meters, no, it's not five meters, like (laughs) two meters apart. Um, (laughs) Six feet. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is the same thing. Um, Yes, it is. (laughs) I think a meter is like, three feet or something yeah I think something like that anyway but digress. yeah um yeah <laughs> so that was really nice and it we'd spent a week rehearsing before that so and it was my first time playing live with the orchestra so it was it was a lot and it was great um second answer it was my final year at school so just before I went to university it was with my like local symphony orchestra and I got to lead which was amazing. And I got, I, what did we play? We played Shostakovich Five, which is just amazing. Oh, yes. Uh, it's it so hard, but it was, re- uh, it was really good. And it was like, it was like my first confidence boost. I was like, oh, I can actually do this because I worked so hard to play those solos, especially, and they went really well. And I, I still have a recording that I listen to of the applause after the concert because it's just, it's all of my family, all of my teachers and people that I've grown up with cheering Aww. for me. And it's just, it's the best feeling ever. I love that. I want one of those. 
sure you've had one of those. I do, but it's not recorded. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. That's so cool. I love asking that question and hearing people's answers because there it's always so cool to just kind of um peek into people's lives and see what they really um value in like a performance or what they've seen and you know interacted with artists or other situations yeah so yeah thank you for sharing I gave you Um, like 10 answers (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I love it um do you have I guess an actionable tip for the audience and or I also I have asked this before maybe you've heard it in a different episode like an Mm -hmm. organizational tip organizational tip I'd say plan your practice for sure I don't it doesn't matter how far in advance um I do it a day or maybe if I'm planning on practicing in the evening I do it in my lunch break or something but I think planning it in advance just it just gives you some structure and I I enjoy that it makes me feel like I'm going to achieve something and I know what I'm doing and it's time efficient as well. You just waste less time deciding on what you're going to do. Yes. Um, yeah. Don't go with think, the wind. No. <laughs> it's fun, but it doesn't work for me. It, I used to do that. Didn't get yeah. much done. Oh no. I, I used to do it as well. It did not work. Um, I also plan like weekly goals. So at the beginning of the week, my weekends are slightly weird because if I work at weekends and I get time off during the week, it's a whole thing. But at the, what I believe is the start of my week, which differs every week. Um, I just kind of decide in terms of practice what I want to achieve. Like I'm learning the Lark Ascending right now for a performance in April. So I'll be like, I want to be able to play it through. I'm trying to do it from memory as well, which is you know, another thing. Um, so I want to play it once without looking at the music or I want to be able to get my bow contact right or a bit better Mm. for my thirds, which is again, thirds are a pain, but we're getting there. You'll get there. Yeah. Keep at it. I'm definitely making progress, but yeah it's frustrating to say the least um what was what was your other question just an actionable oh it was an it's actionable organizational tip i mean in terms of injury i'd say rest that's literally what i would say um obviously that's not everyone but yeah i think planning is definitely good thinking about where you want to be because I I think I definitely thought this, that I didn't really know how I was going to get where I wanted. But then I think what, well, school me didn't really realize that you just email loads of people. I think my Instagram account has definitely helped. I wouldn't have met you if I didn't have that Instagram account. (laughs) I wouldn't have met a lot of people that I've met over Instagram and then met in real life. Like I met Poppy in real life and that was really weird, but it was great um but you also get loads of contacts over stuff like that because as I said before social media is definitely becoming a really prominent way of making contacts people noticing you this is I I don't know if you want to include this in the podcast this is kind of embarrassing but Nathan Cole who's the LA he followed me on Instagram and I was like 
Hey. Why? <laughs> like, I live in London. <laughs> and I was like, I know who you are, but I'm just going to check. And I already follow him, obviously, but he followed me back. And I was like, this is really weird. But even <laughs> things like that, like him even being aware of my existence is a great thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just say net networking is definitely key in however you want to do it really. So yeah. yeah. Again, that was a really long-winded answer, but Oh no, it's great. I I love <laughs> it. Yeah. And I I can never stop seeing the praises of social media and how much it's helped me in my career for sure. <laughs> like I've been able to start my virtual assisting a business and yeah. all of my clients. Yeah. All of my clients have come through Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. and they're not anyone, nobody through like, yeah, they're literally all through my Instagram and I've just created a relationship or they found me through my Instagram. Yeah. Literally it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so, and, and also I found like so many people, like, and so many friends and it's all through online social media. And I'm like, yeah, it's a legit thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think even stuff like what I'm doing now working here is not, I guess it's not directly linked to having a career in performance, but in terms of just the skills of being a musician, like learning how to market yourself or learning how, yeah, what happens behind the scenes of a concert hall, I feel like that knowledge is, is really helpful just just having it even if yeah. you don't actually do anything with it and also even through here i'm making contact literally everyone here knows i'm a violinist i don't want to be performing yeah. <laughs> um, and like my the chief executive here she knows so many people like she used to be head of music at the barbican which is so she yeah. knows loads of people um, yeah it's all even, about networking exactly yeah. so yeah networking is what I would say yeah I think a lot of people believe it's like oh it's where you went to school and it's what you did but when you think about it it's like okay if you went to that school you did network with these people while you were there um and yeah they probably knew your skill level and know <laughs> what you can do but it's like you could be honestly anywhere and you could still network and you know, and if they're Definitely. at that caliber of playing and you never, you know, study at this school, you know, they'd probably still hire you because they know you yeah. can, they'll be like, Hey, they know you can play. That's yeah. basically all that matters. I think the fact that I went to university is, has always been a bit of an insecurity of mine. You know, oh yeah. Same. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a struggle sometimes, but I think, well, the reason I went is because I didn't, at the time, I didn't think I was good enough for conservatory, and I think I was right, to be honest, which is so, yeah, but it really, I think the more I talk to people, I realise that it really, obviously, if you study somewhere like Juilliard, obviously, that's incredibly impressive. Like, the name, sometimes it does, it yeah. gives an impression, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's usually everything. Yeah, it's usually like, oh, you can play to this level. Like, I think yeah. when people are like, oh, you went to Juilliard. Yeah, I could call you up and you could definitely play a gig for me. You know, even if you haven't played gigs in years or whatever. It's like, yeah. I know your skill level You're is definitely up here. Qualified. So I think yeah. the name does help, but I don't think it's 
everything. Like you're not yeah. gonna not get a job because you went to said school. Yeah. They're gonna yeah. want to hear you play first. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think still it's like even if you went to said school, it's like, do you have a recording? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that will speak loads more than um just going to said school. Yeah. Which will still Definitely. speak loads, you know, but I think that's there's some- a balance. There is you, a balance. You still need to yeah. know how to be. It's just being able to play your instrument isn't enough. enough. No, it's, it's not. not. You have to you be. You need to be able to organize your time. You need to be able to network. You need to be able to balance your practice with other things because most, a lot of musicians that I know aren't doing entirely performance. I know so many people who do yeah. like arts admin jobs alongside their professional careers so it's definitely yeah. not yeah it's not just based on well yeah. obviously the playing is incredibly important but yeah. you need to be able to do other stuff yeah and that's like I mean that's what I'm doing now is like I play professionally in an orchestra um but I also I do loads of admin stuff and marketing and have like a whole other job on the side yeah. <laughs> so yeah you do a lot I yeah I do. <laughs> I love it all though. Oh, I yeah, love it I all. Can yeah. So yeah. I'm right. working and practicing and that is that's my cap for now. Yeah. Yeah, you have to you have to realize when you have enough though. So. Yeah. That's my tip of advice for today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been wonderful having you on the show today, Sophia. Um I really appreciate you just talking about your life and your journey through where to where you are now and it's obviously you're still on an ongoing journey and you know, I think we all are. But yeah, it's been wonderful getting to know you better and having you on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Before the Stage podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the show today. Don't miss an episode and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have any questions or topics for Before the Stage, feel free to write me at beforethestage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the show. Thank you.